Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the AM Rush Sports Podcast. However you are listening, wherever you are, welcome to the show. This is episode three. My name is Nick Farrier. Joining me today is Christian Arnold and Aiden Graham. Gentlemen, how are we today? I'm doing all right. Better than the uh, Knicks offseason. <laughs> Christian, how are you? I'm well, thank you, my friend. A lot to get to today, a lot of stuff going on throughout the NBA world, NBA offseason. Free agency started last week. It has been crazy to say the least for both the Knicks and the Nets. Aiden, we'll start with you. You cover the New York Knicks. A lot going on with the Knicks franchise. The draft happened. A lot of people were upset with their overall draft strategy, but they came out, signed Jalen Brunson to their big extension, big deal, and then also made some middle-of-the-pack signings, Isaiah Hartenstein, also with the, the addition of Mitchell Robinson with his extension. What do you see out of this Knicks offseason? Are you happy with the way this offseason has gone, or do you think that there's a lot to be left to be desired? Well, there's definitely a lot to be desired. I mean, this team is not going to compete for an NBA title. They may compete to be the eighth seed in the East. Uh, that being said, you know, Jalen Brunson is a good signing. He's a good point guard. It ends about a 14-year search of the Knicks. Uh, ever since Stephon Marbury left, they basically plugged and played mm-hmm. point guards here and there. Um, so it, it's a good signing, and the team is building for the future. Uh, basically, they only have three players over the age of 25, which is a new look for the Knicks. Usually it's aging veterans on the second half of their prime. Uh, so... You know, it's promising for the future. Um, that being said, they obviously didn't add a, a first-round draft pick this year, which I know a lot of people are upset about, myself included. Uh, but, you know, they got their number one guy in Jalen Brunson, and, and that's what the front office was targeting, so it's hard to really complain too much. Well, you know, you say that, and, and I was one of those people that was very surprised at the fact that the Knicks – didn't you know make a draft pick at all in the first round? You felt that at the eleventh overall pick, uh, maybe they trade up for for Ivy. Maybe they stand packed and, and take one of the one of the guards that was there. This wasn't a weak draft class. There was a lot of solid depth that was going on throughout this entire group, and yet just punting away to the draft and and saying okay we're going all in on Brunson because we didn't get Ivy, so we're gonna st- stick it to that. Are you surprised that there weren't more options, more you know, different plans that were already in place? It just seemed like it was, okay, our guy isn't there, let's just punt this whole thing away. It's very confusing to me for a professional organization to be like that. Yeah, I mean, clearly their number one option in the draft was Ivy. Um, and I think there needs to be a lot more reporting about what they offered Sacramento because this was ultimately a four-person, you know, there was four stars in this draft is what most NBA insiders thought. Uh, and Ivy was one of them. Obviously, he didn't fit the Kings, so the Kings ended up picking somebody else. And so there is a question about what the Knicks actually offered to Sacramento to possibly get Ivy. Um, so when when Ivy wasn't available, for whatever reason that was, they, like you said, they punted on the draft. Uh, that's very confusing. Um, and... and you got to think that maybe they just really didn't like anybody, and they ultimately actually traded a pick to get rid of Kemba Walker, uh, which cleared space for them to sign Jalen Brunson. So that was a little confusing because Kemba Walker was an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So 
ultimately they gave away a future pick to clear space for a guy who was going to leave anyway, um, all in service of getting Jalen Brunson. So this front office has gone all in now on Jalen Brunson and his future in the next. If that doesn't work out, heads need to roll. Well, yeah, Brunson's not a bad player. He's not a bad player at all. His playoff run with the Dallas Mavericks this past year proved that. He was one of the main focal leaders of that team, really helped Luka Doncic down the stretch and and really propelled them to the conference finals, which I think a lot of people, they like Doncic's skill set, but not a lot of people were picking Dallas to get to the conference finals. So it was a kind of a little surprise on that, and the fact they were able to get there definitely is a tip of the cap to both Doncic and the supporting cast around them. One of them, one of those supporting casts is Spencer Dinwiddie. I do want to transition now to the Nets. We're going to get back to the to the Knicks in a little bit, but I do want to transition to the Nets here. Christian, my head continues to spin over this entire fiasco that's going on in Brooklyn. KD wanting a trade. Kyrie wanting a trade, then signing his, his opt-in clause. Now also kind of wants out. What are you seeing, and what are the latest kind of news nuggets that you can provide as of right now for for both uh, Kyrie and KD? Yeah, I think I think you're seeing with starting with Kyrie, um, you're kind of seeing what Kyrie Irving saw when he initially looked, and um, there were murmurs and, and kind of words started to leak that that the Nets had given him permission to to kind of seek out a sign and trade if if that's the option he wanted to go with and. I think he very quickly realized that there were teams that were very, very hesitant to go out and, and try and add him to their to their roster, considering the circumstances of the last few years of his career. Um, and I think you're still seeing that market pretty timid right now when it comes to where Kyrie Irving could go, where he could, might not go. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Lakers continue to be the name that follows Kyrie Irving around the LeBron James um, reunion is appealing reportedly to both sides, but at the same time, you're hearing you're hearing word. I know uh, you know a couple NBA insiders said that there wasn't uh, that it was a lot more timid was um, was the situation with with the Nets and, and possibly trying to trade Kyrie Irving to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so there there is the situation with that. When it comes to Kevin Durant, obviously the, there's about 29 teams that have called and inquired about Kevin Durant services and what the Nets what they need to do to steal him away from the Brooklyn Nets. The situation is um, anywhere from there's a chance he could stay in Brooklyn to teams like Phoenix and Miami obviously being his top preferred choices, but also teams like Toronto with uh, their name has been thrown around quite a bit the last couple of days, but Scotty Barnes not now reportedly not being involved in any sort of deal that they do kind of limits what the Nets would get back and, and how appealing a trade to Toronto would be for Sean Marks in a front office that really has to hit this out of the park because – you know, this is a situation that they're losing two of the greatest players in, in that play the play the game of basketball right now in the NBA. And you can make an argument, two of the greatest players at their respective positions that um, were on the, the Nets at the same time and have yet to really turn that team into a championship contender uh, for for a number of reasons. So this is this is probably one of the most important off seasons and fran- decisions in franchise history. Kevin Durant. Um, Right now, as a Brooklyn Net, the situation that he's he's locked in for four years on under a contract a contract extension that he signed last season last off season I should say uh, isn't lost on anybody, and it's kind of where the Nets feel that they have some of the leverage because 
with that, you know, they don't necessarily have to trade him. You know, they don't have to acquiesce to the idea that, that you know, he doesn't want to be here, so we got to get rid of him. They could just say, and it's been reported by several several different outlets, that the Nets are open to letting this drag on through the offseason into training camp infinite if they don't get the right deal. Um, whether that's a play, whether that's sort of, um, you know, them trying to ne- a negotiating tactic for them, whether it's with other teams around the league or with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, um, you know, this is not a situation that's going to be over anytime soon, it sounds like. And uh, to Sean Marks' credit in this, in this scenario, if I'm him, I'm not taking a deal unless it's the best possible deal I can get out of this, this situation because the Nets need to put together a roster for next season that could be somewhat competitive. You mentioned, you know, obviously needing to hit a, a potential KD trade out of the park. They don't have a lot of picks um, within the next few years because of the James Harden trade. Um, that clearly didn't really work out because of what, you know, transpired there with Kyrie and Harden uh, and the rift that came up. I do want to ask Christian and, and Aiden as well. I would love to get your opinion here. How much blame would you put on the Brooklyn Nets front office for a situation that's gone on like this with Kyrie, with KD. It could very well have been different had Kyrie gotten the vaccine. It could have been completely different if Kyrie and you know and, and Harden were healthy last year for their playoff run when they lost in seven games to Milwaukee. How much blame would you put on the Brooklyn Nets front office right now? I, I find it interesting because I know I know when you look at this, there's so much there's so much talk and chatter and there are so many people that have opinions about what um you know where this is where who's to blame in all this i think the nets front office has as much blame as as everyone else in this situation right i think that this is partially a a monster of their own creation and that this is sort of this is the repercussions of that right like you don't nick you mentioned letting not you know Kyrie irving not getting the vaccine and um kind of the off-the-court distraction that that was and, and everything that happened around that. But if the Nets also stick to their guns originally and say, we're not going to let you play as a part-time player unless, unless or, or at all for us unless you can play full-time on the road, at home, there's no issues. That's, that was their stance from the jump. And then once everyone started to get injured or sick in December, they backtracked. They got scared. They backtracked and said, all right, we'll let Kyrie Irving play partially. And that was the snowball effect that really set the, set in motion what turned into a pretty disastrous Brooklyn Nets season when, when you look back at it now. Um, you know, if they had stuck to their guns or, or they had put their foot down a year or two ago, to, um, among other things that were going on with Kyrie Irving, maybe this doesn't happen or maybe – um, the situation doesn't devolve as quickly as it did. You know, James Harden wanting out after so much turbulence in, in the Nets organization, and then the first round playoff exit. Uh, you know, a, a kind of limping to the end of the year. Um, all of this was in part, you know, uh, uh, something of their own cre- their own making. So, as much as I know, people find it really easy to lay the blame a one hundred percent on on Kyrie Irving and put it at his feet and, and lay some of the blame on Kevin Durant. I think Sean Marks and the Nets front office have as much to do with all of this as anyone else in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the front office deserves blame in the way that if you leave your toddler alone and they burn down your house, <laughs> then then that's your fault, I guess. Uh, but ultimately, you know, they did everything 
KD and Kyrie wanted. They they brought their guy, DeAndre Jordan, not because he was good, but because he was their friend. They traded Jared Allen instead of DeAndre Jordan because they wanted to keep DeAndre around. They they made every move they wanted. They gave everything to KD and Kyrie. They basically made them co-GMs, and it didn't work. And now KD and Kyrie are mad because the Nets decided, you know, we're not giving Kyrie a max contract because this dude, you know, is is a basket case. Ultimately, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense that to blame the uh, to blame uh, KD to blame the front office, except for the fact that they let this go on too long. And if KD and Kyrie had trusted the front office, who had built a very good team with a great culture before they came, then we wouldn't be here. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think they deserve some blame for, for letting this go on too long. But, you know, ultimately, the fact that KD is upset is is crazy. Well, and I think that that's part of the question that I would bring up as well. This really... It seems like it gets back to Kenny Atkinson. And when he was fired after, you know, a first-round exit where they didn't have KD because he wasn't fully healthy, he was recovering from his injury the previous year. They fired him. They hired Steve Nash, an inexperienced head coach, but an all-time great point guard. Is it really where, you know, we we can play the what-if games all we want, but if Kenny Atkinson is here as head coach with Sean Marks, does this go differently if, if he's the head coach, like, is Kyrie and Katie given the same leash if Atkinson's the head coach? Does this really all stem from Steve Nash? I mean, I, I mean, that's, I think it's a little bit of a, a logic leap there. Um, I don't necessarily, no, don't necessarily know if one head coach particularly, particularly changes a lot because at the end of the day, the organization was in a much different place and was in a much different situation than they are now. And I think that when you look at the scenario and the situation, part of where the, the you know marks in the front office take a hit here too is when you look back at that May 11th press conference that they had, the end of the year press conference availability at at the Nets practice facility in Brooklyn, and Sean Marks. I mean, not so subtly took a number of shots at Kyrie Irving during that press conference, which may I think was sort of sort of the the what started the whole snowball effect because Kyrie Irving was ready to sign on the dotted line and be in Brooklyn uh, after they got knocked out in the first round. I think what really changed was that press conference and and, and things maybe devolved after that as well. Um, but to, to 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 lay it on if Kenny Atkinson was still the coach and. Would things be different? I, I don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't necessarily know if that's fair to lay the blame in that regard on on Steve Nash and Kevin Durant, uh, or Steve Nash and and, um, and Steve Nash, I should just say, uh, you know, at, at this case, I I think that's a little bit of a logic leap. Well, I'm I'm wondering what what KD actually wants, and Christian, you cover the Nets more than I do, so you know, he had his own team. He where he in Oklahoma City where he you know grew up as a player then he chose to go to a super team in Golden State then he wanted his own team with his friend Kyrie and now he's unhappy so what what does this guy actually want I think that's a I think that's a phenomenal question I, I think there's so much so much so much question surrounding that again I think it comes back to 
he wasn't happy with the way the organization handled Kyrie Irving over the last, I, I would imagine, last year or so, especially in the last couple of months with the extension and everything like that. Um, you know, Nick and I, Nick, I know you and I were kind of talking about this earlier off the air, but I, I had made sort of the analogy of what happens when you're working at a, at a workplace where, you know, in your mind, someone, you know, the boss doesn't treat everyone right. He treats you all right, but he doesn't treat everyone else all right. And it's kind of a, a weird culture uh, and things are a little dysfunctional at this point. You're going to want to leave. And I think that's kind of where things got at. You know, I don't necessarily know if it was as brazen as that sort of that analogy. But at the same time, I think he looked at what was going on with Brooklyn and he looked at how they treated Kyrie Irving. And he looked at what was to come after that. If the team, if he leaves, if Kyrie Irving left because of, because of the whole scenario, um, and we all know Kyrie and KD were kind of attached to the hip through this whole thing to begin with. And so he probably looked at that and said, my championship hopes, my aspirations to win you know, another title here, just it's just not going to pay off. And I think that's kind of what it came down to, the way they were treating Kyrie and then looking at all the kind of extra stuff that was going on with the, with the organization and, and the championship hopes. The legacy of a lot of people uh, is coming into question, particularly in Brooklyn. Sean Marks' legacy, building the Nets after uh, the Garnett and Pierce trade. We talk about Steve Nash as a coach, but also Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And, and Kyrie's legacy, even when he left Cleveland, was more of a guy like he's clearly unhappy. He doesn't really know what he wants. You know, he wants to be the guy, but he also wants to win with his type of players in his way. Is the legacy of Durant sort of has it hindered a little bit because of this fiasco with Brooklyn where he leaves Oklahoma City, he leaves Russell Westbrook to go to Golden State. He leaves a, a team that had Golden State, a 73-win team, on the ropes, 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals, and joins a juggernaut already there. He wins a couple titles, then ends up leaving to go win it his way and, and, and help his legacy. But that doesn't happen. Are we talking about... You know, and, and potentially are we seeing Kevin Durant's legacy take a large hit for what's happened over the last, you know, year or so? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let Christian speak to that, but I think the biggest hit that Kevin Durant has in his legacy is, is the fact that the Golden State Warriors just won the NBA title. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's got, he's got titles, he's got rings, but it's with the team that won before him and after him. So, you know. This guy wanted to prove he, he could win a ring on his own, but then he goes to Brooklyn, and now this situation is imploding because they were mean to his friend. I mean, you know, ultimately, that's the biggest hit to his legacy, is the fact that his only rings came on a super team that wins without him anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly it's a conversation that's been had by a lot of a lot of different people and uh, you know a lot of different uh, a lot of different takes. I think. To Aiden's point, it's not lost, and I think it kind of does create that. Well, he, and, and Kevin Durant is, is a generational talent. He's a you know he's a superstar in this league for a reason. But at the same time, the argument and I think what kind of rubbed him the wrong way too with everything that's gone on is that the Warriors went out and won a championship without him. They were able to you know life moves on without Kevin Durant in Golden State. Um, you know that that certainly has to rub him rub him in the wrong way, and I think that definitely leaves a little bit of a question in people's mind when they go back and they look at what Kevin Durant has accomplished. There's no re no no way you can take away everything he's done with the, in the course of his career. You know, Olympic gold medals and NBA titles. 
but it certainly comes with a little bit of a hey, you know, he still had you know, Steph Curry next to him. He still had these other guys next to him that helped lead them to a championship and then they still went out and they won without him. I think that's I think that's a great point that Aiden makes that, you know, when you look at some of the greatest players in the league and the greatest players in the world in any particular sport, you know, especially guys that have won titles, they're the guys that team when they leave, teams fall apart. Organizations fall apart. Um, you know, you look at Michael Jordan in the nineties. That Bulls team was not the same Bulls team without Michael Jordan as they were with him. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, same same conversation, same same thinking. You know, the Golden State Warriors, you cannot say that about them when Kevin Durant left, or even before they left. You know, he like like you said, it's he's a guy that went there because they were a, a championship team, and he was a great addition to that and helped them win win a couple more titles. But they he, they've proven they've shown that they can win they can win without him. Um, you know, so I, I think that certainly plays into what people are saying about his legacy. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with some of the the hotter takes that are often put out there about about kind of what his accomplishments mean and um, what what he's been able to do over the course of a career. And I certainly think that there are people who are kind of taking unfair shots, especially when you when you look at his time with the Brooklyn Nets and a lot of the stuff he's had to endure. Um, you know, I think I heard on one particular talk show in, in New York they were calling him a quitter, and I just don't think that was a fair characterization of Kevin Durant as a player or as a person. You know, he, he carried the Brooklyn Nets for the last two seasons and has made them an organization that people look at and go, this is a championship contender. And he's carried that team on his back for a better part of his time in Brooklyn, especially last year at times, too. Um and I think that people calling him a quitter and, and certain things like that, that I think is an unfair shot at his reputation and his legacy. You're listening to the AM Rush Sports Podcast. Nick Faria here with Christian Arnold and Aiden Graham. Guys, I, I do want to shift over, and I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about this KD Kyrie stuff the entire show, but it is just so enriched in just depth and conversation and debate that goes on but I do want to bring up the fact that free agency has kicked off like we said there's been a lot of different moves that have gone on outside of the New York world is there any one particular move that you look at any one particular team that you look at that you think has really done pretty strong to this point I would bring up the Detroit Pistons um, who obviously got Ivy who took on uh, a pick in getting Kemba Walker's contract, um, they have just really improved. I think that's been a really well-oiled machine in Detroit, um, and they're they're a very exciting young team. If you look at a five-year time horizon, I mean, Detroit Pistons have to be up there in terms of you know future title contenders. Yeah, I would agree. I think that uh, yeah, Detroit is certainly a team that that has made a lot of interesting moves and has made a lot of um, smart moves, and, and they have a young team that I think is going to be a lot of fun going forward um, and I think too you could almost make an argument that New Orleans just by getting Zion to stay and not losing him at this point and hopefully getting a healthy Zion they could be a very interesting team going forward if they make the right additions I know they're not to bring it back to KD but they're also in the KD conversation as well so that could be sort of an interesting team to watch in the offseason as well mentioned New Orleans you mentioned Detroit how about Minnesota and Utah the fact that Utah for three days had Brian Windhorst going on first take and, and parading around that he was pretty much calling what was going on for the Jazz. 
Jazz trade one of their cornerstone franchise players in Rudy Gobert to Minnesota for, I believe it was four or five first-round picks and multiple you know, role players. That's got to be a move that's going to be looked at for a very long time because I think that move alone kind of transitions to the KD side of the Nets saying, listen, this is was this is what you know Utah got for Gobert. This is what we want for KD, and it's significantly more picks, significantly more players. Absolutely, I, I think that definitely helps set a market for KD. But I I, I got to say the Timberwolves. I don't understand the trade at all from the Timberwolves' perspective. I mean, they have Carl Anthony Towns, who basically is built as a modern day center in this kind of positionless basketball. Now they get a guy who's going to clog up the paint. Rudy Gobert is a great defender, which is great. But ultimately, I mean, surrendering that many picks for a guy who's not really an offensive talent and who's going to clog the paint and make it harder for Carl Anthony Towns, I don't understand it at all. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting move. I, uh, it, As far as the, the KD connection goes, it, it does set the market. It at least gives you a ballpark of what Sean Marks is, is going to be looking for in, in this sort of massive trade that, you know, I don't think – I mean, we, we constantly try and go back and look at comparisons. I don't think you've seen a trade like this since, I, I mean, basketball terms. I, I can't even think of one. But, but it's certainly, it's been a long time since you've seen a star player of this caliber. And that, that does set the market um, for what Brooklyn is hoping to kind of pull out of this, all, this whole craziness. And, um, you know, at the end could be uh, could be what, what ends up being the reason why Mark says, all right, you know what, we're just going to keep you guys and, and we'll just let this play out the way it does. Summer League star is already in progress for the Knicks. Um, their first game is on Friday. I believe the Nets is around that same time as well. Is there a particular player, and this will be the last question before we wrap up, but is there a particular player that you guys are excited to see um, for each prospective team? Aiden, we'll start with you and, and the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, around the NBA, obviously we're, we're looking at Chet. We're looking at, you know, Paolo, uh, you know, the first two picks in the uh, NBA draft. Um, for the Knicks, I would say, you know, Miles McBride uh, is somebody who has talent, um, but he hasn't really been able to put it together just yet. Um, I'm really interested in seeing what he does with that time in Summer League. Jericho Sims at center. Um, you know, the Knicks just signed Mitchell Robinson, so there's not as much of a need at center as there, as there should have been um, if they had lost Mitchell Robinson, but I think those are two players for uh, Knicks fans to watch. Uh, Quentin Grimes uh, and Jericho Sims. Christian, how about you with uh, Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, Cam Thomas, I think he's, you know, he's back there after such a, a, I mean, what a spectacular summer league he had last year. And then to go and, and kind of make a bit of an impact at the NBA level during the COVID outbreak for the Nets, he's the guy that I think has a lot of people um, has their interest peaked, and I'm curious to see if he can kind of replicate the success that he had last year, and how much that NBA NBA experience has taught him and that that tutelage. Because he's also, it's kind of funny. We've spent a lot of time talking about Kevin Durant, but he's a guy that, you know, he he spent a lot of time when he was up in Brooklyn, learning and understanding the game from Kevin Durant. So um, I think it's a really interesting opportunity to see how that translates to his summer league game this year and what that means for the Nets going forward as far as his future and his role with the team going forward. Well, thank you guys for jumping on. A lot of exciting pieces going on throughout New York sports, particularly in basketball for the Knicks 
and the Nets. Christian, Aiden, thank you guys for joining me. That was good. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Nick. This is the AM Rush Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week.